If you're with us last month, I spoke uh, a lot about um, my faith, uh, what we believe, what we, what we stand for um, as believers, as followers of Christ. And, and the challenge this year is to, is to go beyond, is to grow beyond where we are um, now to a place this year of spiritual maturity um, in the areas of my faith, uh, um, our family and his future. And that's what we're focusing on this year. And I thought if you're with us last, uh, uh, last week or this morning down at um, Narang, um, I spoke about, um, you know, uh, family. And I want to continue with that and, and to build, you know, a, a mature family. And I've said this many times, but you've got to understand the context. Um, when I first came to a church, uh, it wasn't the preaching, it wasn't the, the music or the, you know, what the church did. I didn't understand any of that. Um, but I saw family. I saw people who did family. I saw people who were, who were happy, families that were happy. And uh, coming from the family that I came from, uh, you know, we didn't see that a lot. Uh, that, was, that was rare. We didn't actually think that was possible, but we came and saw it, and it was, it was so attractive. Um, I needed to find out more about that. And um, the more I attended church, the more I realized that that type of a family uh, was not just luck, that these Christians were very deliberate about building family. You just didn't, you know, you were born into a family and you just, it just evolved and you grew up and you're just like, you know, no, no, they were, they were very strategic. They were very deliberate about, no, we're going to do this well. We're going to do this strong. And, um, and so I had to learn all that. And I've got to tell you, it was, it was like learning a foreign language for me. You know, they would talk about stuff that was just normal to them but it was another language to me. I'd never seen it. I, I, I didn't even understand what they were talking about. But I think it was the desire that outweighed the challenge. The desire. And, I, and I've got to tell you, if you're sitting here tonight and you come from some sort of background like me, um, there's a better way to do it. God has a better way for all of us to live. If you're living a miserable life right now, and I was, you know, God has a better plan for your life. He's a better way. You can have a great family, a great marriage, a great life if you really desire it. Yeah, there's going to be some challenges, absolutely. But I tell you what, it's far worth it. It's far worth every effort you put into it. It's far worth it down the track, and particularly for the generations that flow on. So I'm excited about talking about family. It's, it's very close to my heart. If you turn to Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, verse seven, uh, 15 to 17, it says, All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. 
Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. I love the way Paul's instructing them how to, to build the church. That's what they're doing. He's instructing the Philippians how to build the church, and at the same time, he's relating to them as brothers and sisters. At the same time as building this, this, this church, this structure, this, this body, he's relating to them as family. It's both personal and corporate at the same time. But as you build a mature family, you build a mature church. The family is the, is the cell in the church body. And when the families are strong, when the families are mature, when the families are healthy, so is the church. It's a great place to be. It's an environment you walk into. You feel the strength. You feel the health because you know God's in charge. I want that, don't you? I want that. Let's have a look at some ways. We have to have an understanding. Paul's teaching us, number one tonight, that it's one big family. He sees the church as one big family. He's so inclusive in, in his writings to the church. He says things like all of us and brothers and sisters, giving us the idea and the impression that we're one big family. One big family. It's very important to me. It certainly opens up the thinking that it's not a, just about attending church. It's about belonging to one big family. I hope you didn't come here tonight because you're going to tick off some religious duty. It's like, well, I'm a believer. I need to go to church and tick. That's done for the week. God will be happy with me. No, no. No, you come to be a part of the family. We're family. I love that. We're family. We come together. So let me ask you this question. I mean, except for those visiting tonight, if you've been coming to Highway for some time, do you, do you feel like part of the family? Do you feel like this is more than just a crowd that's gathered with the same, you know, singular ethos? But no, no, it's, it's bigger than that. We're, we're family here. It's important to me that you're doing well. It's important to me that you're strong and that you're growing in health and strength because that's family. We care about each other. And I tell you, there's very few places in the world that promote this type of unity. Very few places that promote this. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And as I've noticed after, you know, pastoring, pastoring for a couple of decades, I think one of the problems is we begin, and, and it happens in all families at times, that we can actually take the family for granted. Is that right? Ever felt that way, mum, dad? You know, like, just sort of, you get to a point where you think, I'm just being taken for granted here. Like, no, that's, that's not 
the vibe. It's not the spirit of Christ in this house. It's not the mindset that Christ is teaching. And the world has designed, has designed to divide and conquer. Everything in, the, in society is designed to break the family down. There's an, a tremendous attack on, on, on the family values. I was shocked the other day. I, I uh, filled out some wedding papers for a, a couple that are getting married, and it's the first time I've seen it. Um, I don't always fill out the paperwork, but I did on this occasion. And where they have, you know, the groom and the bride, now they have party one, party two. So I now pronounce you party and party. <laughs> or, or partying or two parties. I, I don't, it's bizarre to me. Why would you do that? Well, you want to render the, the terminology useless. You know, Annie's my bride. She's been my bride for 40 years. I uh, hope they're applauding you, doll. I, I go into a shop and I say, oh, look, my bride wants a cup of coffee or a cup of... They say, oh, you, did you just get married? I said, yeah, yeah 40 years ago. See, but you call her a bride. Yeah, well, she's always been my bride. That's not going to change over time. You know, it's like, it's, it's a terminology. It's family. She's my wife. She's my bride. She's, you know, she's the mother of my children. You know, those terminologies, she's not, she's not a party. Oh, hi, how you going? This is my party. This is party two. I'm party one. Pleased to meet you. Let's party on. <laughs> Everything in society is de designed to break down what we hold so valuable. You know, we have Pastor Andrew Evans. He's probably not in our church tonight. He comes in the morning and, and when he's, he's 80 years old and when he's not preaching all over the place, I think he's away the next five weeks on preaching, um, uh, he sits and listens to me preach, which is really a scary thing for me. But, but Pastor Andrew, and uh, if he's up there, he, he, was a, he was the leader of our movement for over 20 years. He pastored at Paradise in Adelaide for, I don't know, I think 30 years. I, I don't know the length of time, but a heck of a long time. And um, because the family values were, were you know, were, were breaking down so much, he, he decided he started the family first party. Uh, in South Australia many years ago and was a senator um, in the South Australian government, you know, and he stopped, he stopped a lot of bills going through that no one has ever heard of because every one of them was against the family. And uh, you don't know, you don't know how powerful that force is against the family. And that's what makes it so important that we make family work, that we make family mature, that we make family strong. Because the enemy knows that when the families are weak, so will the church be. But when the family's strong, when we're one big family, there's an incredible strength in that. You divide us up, you conquer us, but you unite us together as one family, you'll never defeat us. That's for sure. One big family. 
It's the same in your family as in the church family. Well, one big, incredible strength. Personally, I love it that you're part of my family. Um, it's awesome, and I'll, I'll let you know my birth date, everything, um, as family. I'll let you know what type of golf ball I like. The second thing I found about making a family mature is you've got to raise the bar. You've got to raise the bar. Verse 16 in this passage of Scripture tells us, it says, only let us live up to what we have already attained. Live up to what we have already attained. That's a challenge. A couple of weeks ago, I preached the message. One of the points was, you know, that as a believer, as a believer of faith, we, we live a life of example. We're deliberate about that. We live a life of example. You have to understand that this was a new church. This church was, was you know, I don't know how many years old at this point, but it, but it wasn't very old. They had to establish who they were. They had to establish what they believed. They had to establish the values that had been given to them by Jesus Christ. And i got to tell you, they had to hold on to them really strong. And to do that, they had to raise the bar. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, he said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Well, to attain that, they had to raise the bar. They had to make it a standard in who they were as followers of Christ so that would, they'd never slip away from the values that Jesus instilled. What does that look like? What made a Christ follower different from anyone else? Jesus taught this in, in, uh, in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. Where are we? It says, But to you who are listening to what I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do unto you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who, do, who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back, then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the grateful and wicked. Be merciful 
just as your Father is merciful. What do you think Jesus was doing? He's raising the bar. He was setting a standard. He was saying, wait a minute, this is what defines us. This is who we are. This is who we are. This is what our family looks like. You want to be a part of our family? This is where we stand. Very important to us. You raise the bar, and then you live up to the bar that's raised. And I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a family that have a heart to do this well. A family that have a heart to go beyond, to grow beyond where they are today so that the generations are blessed. And it's really important for us and our families and I ask you a question, where is the bar in your family? What's the standard in your family? What, what are the standards in your household? Very important that we establish those, that we know those, and why they're important. I remember growing up, we used to, you know, uh, we wouldn't let our kids sleep over anywhere. That was, that was one of our standards. And, and I tell you, some, some people did not like us because of that. But, that, but that, was, that was our standard. Sorry, sorry if I offend you. Sorry, uh, don't read anything into it, but this is, this is the standard for our household. And we stuck by that. <clears throat> As a church family, I want you to be able to invite your friends and not be embarrassed when you come here. And to do that, we raise the bar. We have a stand. This is who we are. This is who we are. We, you know, we, I remember years ago, <laughs> years ago in the old hall, uh, you remember that guy, I forget his name, he came with a, a, a placard um, and it had Jesus is Lord on it or something and God told him to take the placard to church and stand up the back, right, and hold this placard in the meeting. Do you remember that, Mikey? You were there. And uh, he was adamant. He was holding up this placard. This was like God told him. And I said, well, God didn't tell me. And we wouldn't let him use it. And he caused a huge ruckus and, you know, went out of the place. And, you know, I don't want people, I don't want you inviting your friends and it looks like a protest sometimes somewhere. You know what I mean? It's like when people come to the church for the first time, it is, it is different. Let me tell you, I know that experience. I don't want to make it weird. You with me? There's a lot of Christian stuff that to a person who doesn't get it is weird. We, we understand it because we are weird. You know, no, joke. Well, the Bible says we're peculiar people, so you interpret that whichever way you like. But you know what I'm saying? You know, we, I mean, we, we, we don't have... We don't have barefoot gazelle-like ladies trampling around the place with ribbon dancing. And there's a very good reason for that. You can poke someone's eye out with that thing. So it's a safety issue. 
but that's not who we are. You, you, you make the standard. You, this is who we are. People will accept us or reject us based on who we are. But we're not changing that. We've got two locations now. You know, it's, it's, it's the same. It's a highway in another room. It's who we are. We're not going to change that. We raise the standard. And then we live up to what we've already attained. And thirdly tonight, iron sharpens iron. I love this one. This one's for everybody. In verse 17, it says, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Wow. That's scary, isn't it? Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. It doesn't say keep your eyes on those who are perfect. It says keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Again, they, they, they were forming the church here. There would have been an opportunity for all different types of philosophies to come in and water down the values that Jesus Christ had, had made a standard. Is that true? There would have been all different beliefs and philosophies that people would come into the church at a very young church and start to put their idea and their concept of faith on what Jesus was talking about. I, I remember when we pioneered the church, I, uh, when we first planted Highway, you know, it was our first church. We'd never done it before. We were green. We were just, we had, you know... We'd lived in church life, but we'd never been the pastor of a church, and, and they came from everywhere. They came from everywhere. And we had to establish who we were because there were so many different ideas. People had come from that church and that church, and, that, and they would join you and say, oh, well, you know, in, in my church, we used to do it this way, and in, and in my church, you know, we used to have this, and we used to, you know, and some of that was okay, but if some of it wasn't us, we had to go to the Lord and say, God, what do you want? Because this is your church. We'll do that. And I learned very quickly, you just wait for an email from head office, and that's what you do. It's that simple. Because you see, what we're doing is building kingdom, not empire. Because trust me, you can build an empire. You can use this to build an empire, to get a crowd of people and call it the church. But they won't mature. Because only what he plants, only what he builds matures the way he wants it to mature. I can't tell you how many people who came from other churches and some were booted out of other churches and thought, you beauty, here's a new church. Here's my chance. You know, I can, I can get in on the ground floor here and I can do my thing, you know. We had to be very careful that what we were building was the Lord's. So I went searching for pastors that I saw had the same heart and the same spirit that I believe, you know, where God was calling us, where God was shaping us. I got to know those guys. I got to spend time with those guys and, and saw what they were building. And yes, Lord, you know, presence of God and an atmosphere of worship. And 
You know, something that I go, wow, God, I know you're in this place. That's what I want. That's what I want. Proverbs 27, 17 tells us, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And there are those who sharpen you, and there are those who make dull. Find the ones who sharpen you. We do that with our kids, don't we? I mean, we don't advertise it, but we do that with our kids. You know when your child hangs with a certain child and they come home, it's kind of not your child. <laughs> Is that fair? And you think, mental note, parent, you're not playing with that kid again. <laughs> right? But then there are those kids that they come back and they're, you know, they're, they're up a notch. And you think, I like that kid. You know, can you live with us? Like, it's just, you know, you want to get your kids around kids that make your kids do well. Is that fair? Of course we do. We don't tell the parents. But we know it. We think it. And it's the smart thing to do. We love our kids. So if you're going to mature as a believer and, and build a mature family, find those who inspire you to to grow beyond where you are now. So I can say that because we're family, we're not a crowd. So you can look around the family and go, oh, I like that. I like the way they do that. I like, you know. How do you do that? Come and have a coffee with me. How, tell me, how do, you, how do you do that? How do you get, how do you, I saw you in that situation, you handled it this way. How, how do you do that? Iron sharpens iron. That's how we grow. That's how we mature. It could be spiritual maturity. I mean, you know people that you know that they've got a touch of God on them and you think, I want that. Take them to lunch. Get them on the side. Have a coffee with them. Say, how, how do you connect with God like that? You know, get on to the prayer course if there's any room left. Get on to the prayer course for nine weeks and get around those people that, you know, that really have a heart and a desire to connect with God in a spiritual way. Could be relationship ministry. Have a look around. Find those couples that you think, they look happy. They look like they're, they're doing well. They look like they're thriving. I thought, I, I thought of, is, is Phil and Joe Black here? They're not here tonight. They're here, Phil and Joe. I thought, man, I tell you, if you're looking for a good relationship, take those, take those guys to dinner. I mean, Joe's put up with Phil for decades. She knows something. <laughs> and she's still smiling. Child raising maturity. Find families in your church that you look at their adult kids. You know, Stephen and Lisa sitting here. Man, I look at their kids. I just, I just, I'm just blown away. I, I, I told them once, I think you should write a book. Wes and Joe Palmer, the same. I know Wes and Joe are here tonight. Should be writing books. They shouldn't have time to write books because they should be at your place for dinner. <laughs> Learning how do we do fa family? How, how do we raise children in the house of God? How, how, do, we do, how do we do that? Amen? 
See, we can do that because we're family. If we're a crowd, you're just rude. But when we're family, it's iron sharpens iron. When we're family, there's a, you know, we're looking out for one another. I love that. Find someone in the church family and allow them to sharpen you. Work to you. They say, there's a saying that says, if you're the smartest one in your group, it's time to find another group. Because if you're the smartest one in the group, you're not going to learn anymore. You're not going to grow anymore. Because everyone's looking at you to learn. You need to be looking at someone else to have iron sharpened iron. Is that fair? Absolutely, absolutely. That's what family does. We're going to grow this year. And I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you. Who, who, who got something out of this message tonight? I mean, generally, don't just make me feel good. I mean, generally, there's something you could take home and apply it to your life and, and it's going to get a little better. Okay? Well, I challenged, I challenged um, uh, Gilson, I'm not saying Narang or Gilson, I'm talking, you know, I, I challenged our, our, our other location <laughs> in between Narang and Gilson at the moment for a week or so. Um, I challenged them this morning. I said, look, if you got something out of this and you really want to grow and mature, can I encourage you? Set a goal for you and your family that this year, in our year of increase, in our year of building on increase, the foundation we built last year, this is our growth year. This year, let me challenge you, come to church every Sunday. Every Sunday. Only once, only one service, but come every Sunday. If you will make that commitment, I promise you, by the end of this year, you won't know yourself. And I don't say that to just, you know, get you in church. I say that because I know this works. I know this works. What you get out of this word, if you apply it to your life, I promise you, You'll never look back, never look back. And your family will thank you for generations because of it. I know we're busy people. I know we've got mum and dad working full jobs and then come Saturday, you know, there's a sport for the kids and, and then Sunday's like, I haven't even mowed the yard yet. Look, I know that. I know that. But if you could juggle it some way that, you know, mow the yard in the morning, come to the 5 p.m., or if you're going to dinner somewhere, you know, come to the 8.30 and then, you know, go to dinner in the afternoon or at night. Or There's some way you can work it. If you desire it, you'll overcome the challenges. I know you're busy and I don't want to put extra burden on you, but I know how this works. When you make that effort, God gets on board. I know it. God gets on board. And after a while, you're traveling easy. You're in cruise, and it's a good place to be. And I want that for you. I really do. Father, thank you tonight for your word into our hearts. Thank you for the challenge upon us, Father. Lord, this is who we are. We are the family of God. This is who we are. This is the, the bar that was raised. This is the standard that you set. 
And we need to live up to what we've already attained and grow beyond, grow beyond where we are today so that the generations will flourish. And we give you the glory, Lord. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Where's Anne? Do you want to come up?